Hello everyone, first league win of the season and as ever we've had lots of messages from you. The majority of the messages we received focused on the new players coming in with Mr B saying they all look sharp. Wheel Barrow thinks Janiel Bennett looks excellent. It was Scott Robertson though who drew the most praise. Ant Copeland thinks he just makes the midfield tick. David Royal labelled him as the best player on the pitch. James thinks he looks brilliant in midfield and goes on to say that we have replaced Kirk and Dale now too. David Caldwell thinks Robertson has helped Murphy look really good too the last two games, but adds he was right to be subbed as he would run out of steam. Chris Thompson picked out Robertson, but also Kashkep, who was full of running and Thomas was tidy too. Jonathan Ditt is another who mentions the three new signings, but goes on to say that the clean sheet is more than welcome. A point Tim Robinson also makes. He believes that that is the best back five in the squad, with Willie Askelainen making a superb save at 1-0. James Sinclair completely agrees with that, saying that that save was amazing. Ben Benson thought that Will deserved man of the match just from that save. Andy Griffiths enjoyed the game and believes that if Burton are mid-table side, then the Alex will be fine. Andrew Whittingham enjoyed a much improved crew performance. There's still areas of improvement for him, as Mandron didn't really get a sniff all game. Alex Smith thought it was a promising performance and especially loved Lundstrom's assist for Bennett's goal. Aaron Lewis was worried that there might have been a case of same old crew a couple of times this afternoon, but both times he was worried, crew responded with a goal. Ash Cowley thought today was three points well-deserved when earlier in the season, crew came away with nothing. One area of improvement that Keith would like to see is the game management against 10 men, as he thought that was poor. Dylan thinks the fans, the players and the manager have all earned those three points with the effort put in and the miles travelled this season. We'll finish with Pete, who is looking up after that win, only eight points from the playoffs. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We have goals to discuss, we have a clean sheet to discuss, and we have a league win to discuss. So we'd better get started and introduce today's pod panel. Uh, we have three as ever. They were all at Gresty Road yesterday. Firstly, Russ Fern. Hi, Russ. Hello, hello. Great to be here. Secondly, Steve Dale. Hi, Steve. Afternoon. And thirdly, Mark Bertels. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let's start with yesterday's team then. Um, the front three, who I thought looked really good at Shrewsbury, but I also felt there was a little bit more to come in terms of them getting to know each other's play. They all kept their place, but then the big change was offered out, Ainley in, uh, a change from three centre-backs to three centre-mids. Steve, are you happy with that change? Yeah, I actually I actually thought that Sass Davis might get a game yesterday, just by the way they were bigging him up throughout the week. Um, so I was a little bit surprised to see him stay on the bench. But I also think it's probably been, I'm not saying he's had a bad season, but I think out of the three defenders, he's probably been the weakest so far. And after da- after Daniel's performance at Shrewsbury, he couldn't be left out. So I thought it was quite a, quite a proactive move, really. So we'll get to the goal in a second. But Mark, Crew couldn't really have got off to a better start. Uh, they probably should have been ahead before they went ahead with Ben Garrett pulling off two terrific saves from Robertson and Ainley. Yeah, I feared the worst. I thought um, it was going to be one of them days where a player came back to haunt us. And in this case, the goalkeeper, uh, there were two 
stunning saves. Um, the first from Robertson, but the second one from Ainley was better still. I think it was his foot and it looped up over the bar. Um, but those first um, 10 minutes or so, I think it was evident that they'd had that break away from matches and been able to train. They zipped the ball around. It was fantastic. And uh, it was a brilliant start. Really good to watch. I think it was the most crew-like we've seen this new crew team for all season at any point. Not we've, like We've seen a few flashes in other games, like 20 minutes towards the end where we've been all right. But that first half an hour was was pretty, not exactly vintage crew, but was close to vintage crew. I think everything that was missing or has been missing was was there. Like I, I said, in the first month, it's it felt like there was a, 11 players going through the motions and it's not their fault. There was nobody particularly creative out there. Um, but yesterday, it was back. Um, that little spark, I think I referred to it as last night, was back. And it was exciting. I was on the edge of my seat again. I think there's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say exciting. I actually looked forward to going to the game yesterday, which I didn't for the first few games. I'll be completely honest about it. But yeah, but yesterday, I had that buzz back. and something better about it. So, Callum possibly could, should have scored uh, that second chance with Ben Garrett save. Then he was involved again. Um, Russ, it was very similar to Rio's tackle um, against Shrewsbury the week before, flying in the back. Uh, we don't often mention yellow cards, but this one sort of is going to become important in the second half. Were you happy with the yellow or would you have expected a little bit more in that first tackle? Um, the one on Callum Ainley, it was, it was probably the first... The- it was weird for Callum Ainley to actually go in for a 50-50, first of all, and that probably set the precedent for him for the rest of the game. But I, put it this way, if it's 10 minutes to go, that's a red card. It was a lunge in the air, ankle, knee height, sort of just, it was a rash challenge and the board already gone. And I think I think he was lucky to stay on at that point, but also you never really see a red card that early on for that type of challenge. It was almost as if they'd done some sort of research where they knew they knew about him as a player and knew the, if he got older than early, that'd be it for us. Like, it, they knew it affected his performance a little bit. So go go hard on him, which they did, and it'll affect him, which it did. Rodney Jack was very similar. Um, he was always targeted early um, and they knew if they hit him hard in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, he'd be out of the game. And he was. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think it was premeditated. Um, and I agree with you, Russ. I think the referee's never going to set a precedent that early with a red unless it's something really obvious, uh, because then he's got that, he set that bar for the rest of the game. The likes of Charlie Kirk had that in their game at the start, when they were younger too, where they'd get clobbered once and then would shy away. They all grew out of it and Ainley hasn't. And I think that's why he's still here, realistically. He's got all the talent in the world, but he just doesn't, he's not, he's just not built like a League One footballer. Yeah, you're probably right. That probably is why he's not kicked on as such. So I'm going to disagree with the three of you there uh, because I do agree in the whole that Callum Ainley possibly could get involved more in 50-50, 60-40 tackles. But I watched the goal back today uh, and it is him that makes it. He gets the ball on the edge of the career and he sprints full pelt most of the pitch uh, and then passes it to to Neil Bennett. So if their plan was to knock him out, it didn't last very long because that was in the 10th minute. Um, who wants to talk about the goal? Everyone's favourite player, everyone's favourite goal scorer, own goal. Uh, who wants to jump in there? Yeah, you're right. It was uh, Donovan Daniels, I think, that played it to Callum Manley on the edge of our box. Um, and it was a, 
surging run, which you wouldn't normally associate with him, but it, it was um, fantastic. And then that little ball out to the left um, was everything that we saw in the promotion year in last season. It was uh, it would have been Charlie Kirk this time. It was Bennett. Um, I'm not sure had it not taken that little nick off the, the defense. Well, the defender tried to block it, didn't he, with his foot and steered it in. I'm not sure it would have amounted to much. I think Mandron was on his way into the six-yard box, but I'm not sure it would have reached him. Um, ben Garrett looked like he dived to cover the original shot, but I don't care because it uh, it whistled into the net, and that's uh, that's the most important thing. I think that that run from Calamely we've seen so many times before. In fairness, when he's got space ahead of him, he likes to gallop into it with the ball at his feet. It's then when he's got a few men in front of him. Then what do you do? Does he try and take him on, take on too many and lose it, or does he get his head up and actually pick a pass and see him pick the right pass as well? That's very refreshing, I think. Well, I think, I mean, it it would have to go down um, maybe if, like, Bennett's trying to claim the goal, isn't he, as all strikers do. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe Ainley gets a tick for an assist, which, you know, it, that's what he's got to start to do. If he's not going to score goals, he's got to make them. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it was, you're right. He, he sometimes does, tries to take on one man too much or he... he he wastes the final ball, but uh, that was good yesterday and obviously made by the, the run from Bennett. I also think it was uh, it was nice to get that bit of luck as well. Wasn't it? We don't get that many lucky goals like that. We, we seem to concede a hell of a lot of them, but we don't tend to get them in our favour. So it's just so nice to be on the, the right end of it for once. I sent a tweet out at half time when it was 1-0 and I said Burton are the sort of team that aren't going to go away. They're not going to give up. They're well drilled. They know what they're all about. Is that a fairly fair summation of the first half? You know, they were a fairly good team, but they weren't special. I don't know. Is that a fair assessment, Steve? I personally thought that, and his performance went under the radar, but I think Kane Ramsey had quite a good impact on the game yesterday. I haven't seen much of Burton, I'll be completely honest, but just watching him yesterday, he relied quite heavily on that Aikens on the left-hand side, and I thought I thought Ramsey, especially in the first half, just took him out of the game. And that... And they end up being reliant on the long throws, which this crew team, especially with with the height we've got now, I'm not too worried about. They scored off a long throw last year, didn't they? Um, it just went through everyone, and then mm. Kane Hemmings just tapped it in the back post. So it did scare me when Thomas Haber lined up his uh, his long throws. But I think every single one of them, Donovan Daniels powered ahead of clear. So I thought, you know, we've clearly done the homework and we've learned from last season's shortcomings. So yeah, that's a that's a big tick for me. He was, was um, he was one of my more uh, outstanding performers yesterday on the quiet, Donovan Daniels. I think that's one of his best games for us. I don't know whether that's down to uh, just general improvement um, or whether it's playing next to Thomas, who uh, is equally as good. Well, he's better, to be honest. He's a, an amazing sign and he's like Franco Baresi when he brings that ball out. Of the, I think there's one for the, uh, the younger listeners. Um, he glides up the pitch with it. He's amazing. So hopefully they're bringing the best out of uh, each other. Um, it's just whether they, they're still in a cruise shirt in a year's time. That's the thing. The, the challenge with Daniels is going to be keeping fit, isn't it? I mean, I, I was sat, I, I sat at a major place in the Grest Road and a couple of them blocks in the first half were absolutely brilliant. He throws his body on the line time and time again. And I think, you know, uh, they had like 19 shots, but I think Will had very little to say, and that's because every single player was just throwing themselves in front of everything. I think that's, that's brilliant. Going back to what Russ just said a second ago, um, was the memory of last season's home game to Burton the reason Luke Offord didn't get a start? 
And it was the fact that the two taller centre-backs more dominant in the air, dealing with those long throws. Or is it now the case that Luke Offord is currently third choice out of the three, do you think? I think he's probably third choice. Um, but then I think, I think that um, we are extremely... Uh, flexible now. We can play three five two, four three three, four four two, and and the diamond and variations on that. Um, so you you know, I I wasn't sure what David Artel was going to do yesterday, whether he'd stick because we uh, played all right at Shrewsbury, or whether he'd twist and change it, and he and he did change it, and um, uh, and I think yeah, Offord will come behind those two when we play the two, uh, rightly so as well after on yesterday's performance. So yeah. I, I, it's possible that they chose those two because of the biggest, but um, I mean, Offord was fine when he came on. He wasn't on long, but he didn't do anything wrong. But uh, yeah, it maybe was a, a reflection on last season's game. I think if he is their choice, I don't think he's their choice by very much. I think we've got three pretty decent League One defenders. Um, Terrell's probably a little bit better than pretty decent, but um, he's just been in sticky form, hasn't he, Offord? So I think dropping him probably is the right decision because I'm trying to think of a decision when he's ever been well think of a time when he's ever been dropped for like any bad form and I can't think of one so I think just maybe just a kick up the arse I think that's probably a good thing let's move on to the second half then and there is another person who is quite important in cruise clean sheet uh, yesterday and that is the goalkeeper um I would go so far as to say he has absolutely no right to make that save that he does simply because he's not diving to his side. He's basically diving backwards, isn't he, to save that Kane Hemmings chance that he pushes just around the post. Um, that's what he can do well, though, isn't it? That's what we want to see more of, the shot stopping, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. and I didn't see the chance in the, ga- at the game, but I did watch the replay back. I have a habit when the ball goes in that area of the box. I just have a habit looking at their fans to see what's happened. I, I, I don't know why I do it. It's just something I've always done. But, um, yeah, it was an outstanding save. And on, on a um, on a smaller scale, I, I thought I, I thought he did well with the overhead kick as well, where he just took it into into his arms because it all seemed to happen all seemed to happen quite quickly. I thought I thought on a smaller scale he did really well with that chance as well. Sorry, looking at the away fans to see if they've scored might be the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's just, it's just one of them ha- weird habit things I've always had. I don't know why I do it. Just have. <laughs> I feel I need to inject something because I've been so critical of both keepers in the past and. Um... It was an amazing save. He had a good game. Uh, and again, I, I'll reiterate, uh, it's nothing personal against either keeper. I just want crew to win matches and I want the best keeper that we can possibly find in there. Um, but he was really good. And, and on your point, Steve, you're right. So often you hear commentators say it's straight at the keeper. But having played in, in Nets myself, that's not an accident. It's all about positioning. And um, they spend hours and hours and hours on. So, yeah, it, you're right. It, it was a good save. He held it. Um he had a good game and some of his distribution was uh, top drawer as well. Yeah, that was superb save. Um, possibly save of the season so far for me, for me, the keeper. But going back to Steve's comment about the overhead kick, there was a moment that after he's done that, before it's got to Jaskalainen, where you're thinking, oh God, this is literally what they did last, or we did to them last year. And it's just coming back. But luckily, as you said, Mark, he was in the right place at the right time. And it was nothing more than a temporary worry. Uh, I think the next point then is going back to the red card. The Burton fans seem quite annoyed with this. I think that there was a bit of an accusation that Kashkat uh, maybe made a meal of it. It didn't look that way to me, though. 
I think it was a second yellow from my viewing, even without without being biased by it. But I do think Kashkat uh, made him more of a meal of it than what he probably could have done. I mean, he rolls around the floor a couple of times and then gets up and is doing his stretches in front of him. It's going to wind them up. But I've seen on, on Twitter, they're saying how much have you paid the ref and this sort of stuff. He went studs up into his knee. I think it, it's, it's a clean, so obvious second yellow card that no one can have any arguments with it. And I think it's just, it's just it's so obvious. So I don't know why they're really complaining about it. It's just Cash gets wind them up with his rolling, really, isn't he? I actually thought yesterday's referee was probably one of the best we've had all season, if not the best. But there aren't many times when you don't when you come away from a game and you haven't got an opinion on the referee. So I think for that, he deserves credit on his own, really. I don't even know his name, so that's how good he was. Yeah, I, I mean, from the top of the main stand, um, it's, it was impossible to tell whether it was genuine or not. Um, I've seen a, a, a replay of it, actually, that Tim's sent to me, and he definitely caught Kashkit without any shadow of a doubt. The problem is that Kashkit reacted like he does to when he's not caught. Um, that's like that's what he does. He rolls around on the floor a lot. So they probably picked up on that and thought that he was feigning injury when he was actually caught, and it was definitely a second yellow card. So I'm not sure. We had a little conversation about this offline, or off-air, rather. Um, and we are possibly convinced that the sponsors chose Kashkit, not based on his performance, although he was very good, but more to do with the fact that it would wind up the Burton fans to the maximum potential. Um, is that something that we're in agreement with? I think so, yeah. It was funny. Um, I'm not saying he, 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 was, uh, he, was, he wasn't worthy of man of the match. I think there was others that were probably ahead of him, in my opinion, but I didn't choose it. But uh, the, the massive cheer that went up, and the booze that rang out from the away and was hilarious. Like, I think if I'd have been picking it, I might have picked him for the same reason. Every time um, he touched the ball, um, they'd boo him and we'd cheer him. And it was it was a beautiful sort of pantomime villain sort of moment. But on, on the man of the match, I think he was probably fourth choice in the end. I think Donovan Daniels, Scott Robertson and Janelle Bennett definitely sort of deserved it more on the balance of play, really. Yeah, I, I had him as third, in my opinion. I thought the red card instant and the and the man of the match and everything else. It reminded me of Perry and G against Carlisle a couple of years ago, and it was the exact same situation on the other side where he was just getting absolute dogs abuse, and it was uh, and he was man of the match. Brilliant. I think the whole ground um, was expecting Bennett's name to be read out at the end of who was man of the match, and because it wasn't and it was him, it was almost like a, a even bigger cheer, and everybody was laughing. Um, <laughs> they were fuming over the other side. Fair play to the sponsors. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Janil Bennett, you just mentioned, he would have been one of the ones above Kashkep for me. Um, I'm going to let you guys talk about how good he was yesterday, but there was something I forgot to include in last week's uh, pod from seeing him at Shrewsbury. Um, a lot of the time when lower league football clubs get these young wingers from Premier League clubs, they're very good on the ball. They're very good skillfully, but they've not really learned what to do with it. And they sort of tend to run around with like a, like a headless chicken, I guess, would be the, the best way of summing it up. But last week, I didn't see that. I saw like, this is a guy who knows what he wants to do when he's got the ball at his feet. Uh, and yesterday we saw that. He's definitely got one goal. He, the other one was an own goal course from him. Um, how good was he, Russ? Oh, he's he's brilliant. And I think he's he's going to go to right to the top of the game because he's got that attitude and that mentality that he's a winner. He's not here. He, well, he is here to learn the game even more. So he's at a good club where he'll do that and he'll get game time and he'll get kicked, but he'll get back up again. And I think 
the thing that I really like about him is he's got all the talent in the world to be a player. And he could just, he could win a game by himself by being on the halfway line and dribble past everyone that's got. But he gets his head up. And if he knows the pass is better, he'll make the pass. And we've seen that link-up play with Rio Adebisi down that left wing now. And I think that's going to be as threatening as Kirk and Pickering was because they're both technically good. They're both physically good and they're both on the same wavelength. And I think Janil Bennett will be... He, he, in theory, he could get a goal and assist every single game for the rest of the season and he'll be in the championship next year. Um, so... Like you said as well, with go back to man of match, if you score one, maybe two, definitely involved in two, you expect man of the match. But he wasn't my man of the match. And judging by the comments that I got sent at the end of the game that I'll have read out already, uh, I really struggled trying not to mention Scott Robertson with every single person's comment <laughs> because he was mentioned in almost everyone's. He doesn't belong in League One, does he? Absolutely not. Um it's it's a very bold statement, but he's potentially one of the best loan signings we've ever made. Um, I turned to Tim halfway through the match last week at Shrewsbury and said he reminds me of a young Neil Lennon, um, and he is as close to Neil Lennon that we've had since the real one. And it's been picked up on elsewhere, and I don't know if that's the Celtic connection, but like he could be playing for Celtic. Um, he's he's a very young head on very old shoulders. Uh, he's missed a safe. You can give him the ball anywhere on the pitch and, and not worry. You can give him in the six-yard box with three attackers running at him and I'd still think, yeah, he'll sort it. Um, he can pick a pass. He can tackle. He's strong. Um, he's the complete midfielder and how on earth we've managed to sign somebody like that on loan, I have no idea, but credit to the manager for that. You get these all-rounders that are good at everything but not great, but he's great at everything. Literally, you can't pick a fault in his game and... He's making us missing Tommy Lowry not really miss Tommy Lowry because I don't really see where he'd fit in. He would fit in, let's be honest. We'd get Tommy Lowry in this team. But right now, we're not missing him that much, I don't think, because of Scott Robertson's performances. If anything summed up Scott Robertson's performance yesterday, it was that run in the second half where I think I think the Burn players tried to foul him about four times and he just glided <laughs> away from him. It, there, there, was, there was at least 4,000 that build-up and he just kept on going. It was unbelievable. He's built like a tank, an absolute tank, and he's got he's got the running ability to drive forward with the ball, then realise he's not going to outpace him. So he's just using his frame to protect it and then find that pass. And we don't really see that from many crew players very often, so that's really good as well. If he'd come through our academy and, and was making his first steps into the first team right now, we'd all be saying like he's a, he's a two, three million pound player in the making there. He's absolutely immense. Um, I wish he had come through our academy. But, I mean, how how he's not playing higher um, and how, or, or knocking on Celtic's first team door, I don't know. Um, whether he's had a, a, a rough time with injuries or form, I don't know. But certainly, he's, um, we're going to be as good for him as he is for us, I think. It's the perfect move for both. He'll, he'll definitely be playing Scottish Premier League football next year. No doubt about it. The players we've picked out then, the ones who we think have had a good game yesterday... The vast majority then are the players that we've brought in and not just the players we brought in, they're the ones we got in late. So Kashket, Bennett, Robertson. Um, it's terrific to see that the recruitment has gone so well at this stage, but also the fact that Dave Artel, Kenny Lunt, uh, Charles Grant, they did this 
after already a wave of recruitment, that didn't work out for various reasons that we've discussed at length. Um, they've done a terrific job, haven't they? Yeah, um, I don't know if anybody listened to his interview in the week, but um, when his, his usual press conference and he was talking about having PowerPoints, he was taking around to clubs and things like that. But I don't think, I don't think we as fans truly appreciate just how hard these guys work. It's it, it it's nice and it's refreshing. But I I felt yesterday coming away from the game that I was just really happy for them because, like I say, they do obviously work really hard in the background and they deserved it yesterday. I heard that interview and I was equally impressed. And I think it's almost the, re- the reverse of a, a job interview where instead of uh, the player trying to sell himself to the club, it's the other way around. The manager has to sell the club to the player, especially players of that calibre. Um, and you're right, you know, I had no idea that he went around doing presentations um, to loan players and clubs. And he's he's doing it even now, saying, look, we've got this player on loan from Celtic and this is what we're doing for him and he's doing for us. And so he's already thinking ahead and it's it's amazing. Um, but the recruitment is, you know, with the, the situation with Tommy Hoban and Sean McDonald and, and then Chuck Kirk and Dale on top of that and Lowry um, and COVID and norovirus, um, the recruitment is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's uh, better than we could ever have hoped for. And I... Without being unkind, I think it's worked in our favour because Terrell Thomas is a step up on Tommy Oban and uh, Robertson's a, a step up on Sean McDonald. So it's uh, it's all worked out well in the end. That's what you just said there, um, and you're absolutely right in terms of the upgrades. I was I was talking to my friend that I go with yesterday, and I was looking I was looking at the team sheet, and I thought we, we've almost managed to, and I might be jumping the gun a bit here on the back of a couple of bumps. We've almost managed to match the play we've lost in terms of quality. And you think the players that we had last season, that's some achievement. This team has got the potential to be better than the last one. Um, it's just whether we can hold on to, like, Donovan Daniels, Terrell Thomas, um, and whether um, they can progress within this season. Because it's likely that, you know, Roberts is going to go back. Obviously, Bennett's going to go back. Knight's going to go back. They're all going to go back. I don't see he's keeping any of them. So... It's whether they can do it within a season. But, you know, hypothetically, if you could play this side against uh, our last best side, it would be a really close match. I also think it's nice being a crew fan right now because we're always in a position, just by the nature of our football club, that we're always on the edge of selling a player. So if we'd have been in a position now where we still had Charlie we still had Owen Dale, we'd be approaching January knowing them players are going to get sold. But I think, Daniel Bennett aside, I think, say, for six months, I might be wrong. We're in a position where these play. We've now got this team for the season, so it's, it's. I think it's a nice position to be in compared to what we normally have to sit through. Yeah, we need to nail that loan down uh, for the rest of the season as quick as we can before the clubs latch onto him. I was speaking to someone yesterday, and the uh, the, the current under 18s are supposed to be really good, um, and it's it's maybe two years away from. You know, we've perhaps got two seasons to fill, plug those gaps, if you like until they start to emerge and make a difference. Um, and if this is year one, uh, the, the job he's done of plugging those gaps is phenomenal. I think going back to the recruitment stuff, there's a there's two sides of a player. There's the talent on the pitch and then the character off the pitch. And Artel's always said, we've got, if the character's not right, we're not going to sign him. And he's, they've, well, you could argue we've not done great with McDonald and, and Hoban because we've sort of foreseeable events. Maybe Hoban kept it quiet and whatever. But, um, 
the players, something that really hits home to me is how the players interact with the fans. And at the end of every game, and it's been more this season than it has any other season that I can think of, they come right up to the stands at the end of the game, clapping and really appreciating the sport. And the players that are doing it are Mika Mandron, still a relatively new face, Tyrell Thomas, Janiel Bennett and Scott Kashkett. And I think that's really impressive that these are, they are the four players. Everyone else does it as well, but they're the four players I've noticed specifically really taking and taking an interest and in getting sort of up close and personal with the fans. Like Janiel Bennett, Bennett's getting pictures with kids after both the Shrewsbury game and the, the other game. And I think that's something you don't always see from players at crew. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And um, if, you, if you're on Instagram and you follow the players, there seems to be a real good family feel to the, the, the squad and the team at training and stuff. Um, and, you know, people are already saying, oh, will Bennett stay after Christmas? Well, the answer to that looks at the moment like, yes, he's not going to go into uh, Spurs' first team, I wouldn't think. And I would think he'd turn around and just say, no, nah, I'm happy. I'm, I'm staying another six months and, and he's having fun. He looks happy. So, yeah, it's a good point. Um, I completely agree. OK, so there was one person there uh, at the game yesterday and you may be aware of him if you're on Twitter, you follow lower league football online, uh, Gab Sutton. Uh, I asked him to send me across what he thought, and this is what he had to say. Hi, everyone at the Railway Men podcast. It's Gab Sutton here. Just a few thoughts from me on the game today. I thought the, the standout thing really is that Janil Bennett on loan from Tottenham looks a fantastic player. Um, so unpredictable. He's got good, uh, good change of, of direction, I think. Um, really impressive in terms of just beating an opponent one-on-one. I don't feel like he's got necessarily searing pace in the sense of being able to go over long distances in the way someone like maybe an Owen Dale might. But, um, yeah, really impressive in terms of that skill and that agility and dexterity, I suppose. So um, he looks like a real real asset and um, had a key, key role in both the goals, didn't he? I think it was his cross that led to the own goal for the opener. And then he, he deserved his second goal. He took it real well really well with real assurance so incredibly excited about Janelle Bennett um, I think crew probably deserved the win I don't think they were playing the game they wanted to for the whole of the 90 minutes and there were times where Burton would say they were probably a bit more on the front foot but what I would say is that with the fullbacks in Kane Ramsey and um, Rio Adebisi of course being very athletic um, I think that helps crew in in wide areas because um, certainly against Burton because they they had players like Lucas Aikins and Johnny Smith who are good wide forwards but they didn't really have the support from the fullbacks they had John Brayford who again really struggled against Janelle Bennett in the first half. He's probably not the best attacking fullback these days. His legs are going a little bit. And then on the left, you got Tom Hamer, who, um, yeah, he's right-footed playing at left-back. I think he had made one good run in the second half, but didn't offer too much. So really, it was those wide forwards, Aikens and Smith up against um, um, Rio Adebisi and Kane Ramsey, respectively. And I think, yeah, they certainly did their jobs. Uh, Terrell Thomas as well. Hopefully, he's going to be fit enough. He he looks like he had a really good game. Um, Scott Robertson, I'm looking forward to seeing more of. So, yeah, lots of positive signs for Crow Alexander, I would say. And, um, yeah, really impressive result. First win of the season, off and running. Fair play. OK. Um, Russ, do you agree with all of that that you've just heard? Um, I think he's mostly right. I do think Burton were on top for most, not most of the game, for parts of the game, but I don't think it was ever sort of 
80% them and 20% us. I think at most they were probably 60% on top of us. Um, I think uh, I think it was a very even game. Um, weird reference to Owen Dale being the, the searing pace player when he's just watched Scott Kashkett run up and down the wing with absolutely lightning speed for 90 minutes. That boy can run and his backtracking is insane. Um, I think he, he picks apart their Burton's fullbacks and praises our fullbacks. And I think that is very correct, really, because our fullbacks are so integral to our performance and our team. And um, Rio and Kane were, were brilliant on Saturday as well. I didn't see anything to suggest that um, Scott Casket can't, can't or doesn't want to play as part of a three. Um, I mean, I'm not interested in Owen Dale anymore. Uh, remotely, but one of the things I did like about him when he was in a cruise ship was that um, tenacity and that work rate. And you can't coach that into a player. He's either got it or he hasn't. Um, you can have all the ability in the world, um, but it's your, your sort of your work ethic. And I thought, how are we going to replace that? And we have. Um, he epitomises crew at the moment. He's uh, he's young. He's quick. He's exciting. There's loads and loads and loads of potential to work with, um, and he's only going to get better. Okay, so that is Crew's first league win of the season taken care of. Next, we'll switch our attention to the two games coming up this week. But before that, I'm delighted to announce that we will have an update from the women's team who have finally got back into competitive action. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Kate Evans, left back, and Shanice Fimbo, left wing. Uh, a good 3-0 victory against Morecambe today. Uh, how do you feel the game went? I think we played brilliantly. Um, we played well together, passing balls through the lines and getting a lot of opportunity up front, um, creating lots of chances, and we pulled a few off today, which was really good. That's a, a bit of a change from the last couple of weeks. Do you feel like there was anything in particular that went better today? Um, positive mindset. Um, girls were working well together. We changed things up at training this week and made sure that everything was positive and we were working well together. Okay. Okay, and then to you, Shanice, a different kind of opposition today. Uh, how do you feel like they played and what you guys did to nullify that? Yeah, we tried keeping as much possession as we could. Um, we figured out that there was a dominant presence in the middle in the middle of the pitch for uh, Morecambe. So we tried um, man-marking her, taking her out of the game. Um, so we basically made, played out wide to try and keep her out of the game as much as possible. Okay, well, congratulations on the result and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you. So, Tuesday night then, it sees Morecambe come to the Mournflake Stadium for the rearranged game. Uh, I think at the start of the season, most people would have had Morecambe in their bottom four. They did start off quite well, though. They drew with Ipswich, they knocked Blackburn out of the League Cup, and then they beat Shrewsbury in their second league game. That was over a month ago, and since then, they've only had one win in all competitions. Um, and they lost on Saturday to Doncaster. What sort of team, what sort of um, morale in that team are we expecting to turn up on Tuesday night, Mark? Um, well, two wins from seven isn't great, um, but it's not the end of the world either, um, as we know. Um, but they're going to be uh, difficult to beat, I would think, as, as most teams um, are when they come to Gresty Road. Uh, they'll set up and trying to stop us play. Um, in terms of morale, who knows? I mean, a 1-0 defeat to Doncaster, he wouldn't normally uh, 
sort of raise your eyebrows at. But with Doncaster start as well, it, it was uh, quite a, a big game early on. It could be a good time to catch them. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a good chance to get another three points. Uh, six points in a couple of days would be, well, it'd settle everybody down. Everything would look much better. They, they seem like a team that will can turn it on in flashes. Like they've, they've picked up some really excellent results early on, didn't they? It's not a gimme at all, even though they've lost the last three. But if they turn up licking the wounds, then hopefully we'll roll them over. If they turn up with some fire in the belly, then it'll be a good competitive match. Steve, now as a crew fan, we are aware that we can go places in the same league as crew. And that team will completely expect three points before we've even started playing. Um, but if we want this feel-good factor that has started to come back again at Crew to carry on and to grow, we have to be looking at beating Morecambe at home, don't we? Yeah, you're right. I think if you were to set out the fixtures at the start of the season, um, games of how, how you expect it to go, I think Morecambe would have been a home win. So you're right. I think we should be expecting to win. We're going into it, thankfully, with a bit less pressure because I'd be a little bit more... Nervous about it. Have we not won yesterday? But now we've got that first win on the board. We can go into it a bit more relaxed. Um, I'm fully expecting them to come and, as been said already, to short shop a little bit. So whether we can break that down and not be frustrated, we'll have to see. It'll be nice to welcome Greg Lee back as well, though. Um, I hope Scott Cash get absolutely rips him apart. Greg, what? Greg Lee's at Morgan? Yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. Returning player. It's interesting when you say. Uh, we'd see that as a win. Uh, of course we would. I would. I think most crew fans would. Um, but similarly, when we're in that situation, you forget that the other team are looking at us thinking exactly the same, which then makes it more difficult. I was quite interested, actually, walking out of the ground yesterday amongst the Burton fans, and they were absolutely appalled at their side losing to us. They couldn't believe they'd lost that game. So it's interesting to see the, um, the sort of outward perception of crew before the players um, obviously, we're acutely aware of everything that's gone on and the loans and stuff, but I don't think the, the football world are as much as. Um, so, they'll, you know, Morecambe will, will go into training tomorrow and, and be thinking we can go and get something here. It doesn't seem to matter what league we're in. Whoever we play against are always annoyed that they've lost a little old crew. It could be Championship, mm-hmm. League One, League Two. We're, we're always smaller than the, the opposition's team in the opposition fan's head, I feel. It usually is true, to be fair. I don't think there'll ever be a point this season where we look at a fixture coming up and think this is going to be easy. It's a, it's a really tough league. So I caught up with Tom from Shrimps Online to see what he had made of the season so far. Hiya, Tom. Good afternoon, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, welcome to the pod. Uh, you're a new voice for the pod. So can you just tell us a little bit about Shrimps Online, please? Absolutely, I'd love to. So um, Shrimps Online was an account I decided to start at the beginning of this year, beginning of this year. And I was watching all the games that I follow. And I just thought it was a good opportunity to share um, what I was seeing of the games and hopefully um, share some knowledge, but also perhaps drive some debates online Um, and since then I've really tried to find different ways to analyze the games uh, give my perspectives and and perhaps just give something where hopefully people can learn something a little bit different Uh, I like to focus on um, 
obviously watching the games, but also perhaps things a little bit deeper, uh, statistics, things that are going on in the games. Some of the underlying statistics and stuff like that really interests me. That's that's an area of passion for me. And yeah, I'm just very passionate about Morecambe. I've supported Morecambe since approximately 1995, a glory fan, when I, I started supporting them going up from the Unibond division to what was the Vauxhall Conference at the time. So I'm currently living in Peru and um, feel very fortunate to be able to see a very succe successful season, having been thousands of miles away. So feel very grateful for that. Lovely. Uh, so, Tom, I, I mentioned you're a new voice. There's a reason for that. Morecambe were not in League One last year. You've just touched on it. It was a successful season. Um, what was that like seeing Morecambe promoted? I think this is the highest you've ever been as a football club. Absolutely, Stuart. So, just absolutely bizarre. 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 It, from um, almost like a miracle where um, we'd had a manager in for, I think Jim Bentley was in for eight years, an absolute club legend for us, um, had been a club captain. I think he'd been a combined nine, 17 years at the club. So absolute legend of a guy. Um, we love Jim to bits. And then he left um, to take up an opportunity to go to Files. Um, perhaps a new voice in the dugout um, was right at that point. And all of a sudden, mid-season, around, I think it was November November time, season before, not last season, season before last, we found ourselves managerless, bottom of the league. And then all of a sudden, we appointed Derek Adams, which, looking at his background, was was an absolute find. With the, he came into the club, um, went about his work, and managed to uh, do enough to comfortably keep us into the league so at that stage we you know we're feeling pretty good about life we continue our league two status but then what happened was just absolutely extraordinary uh he he went in with the mentality that he was going to get more promoted um went about his business built a, a squad of what of players that perhaps would be seen as rejects and, and, and undesirables for the clubs it was really you know one of your fairy tale stories brought in an ex-crew player in kelvin meller players that he knew could do the business that were very solid and created a style of football which people thought perhaps isn't sustainable in the fact that we actually ended up with the lowest possession in the league with an average of 40 percent um but actually, to anyone that had actually looked at the underlying stats, we ended up with the season with the highest expected goals, I think it was with 74 expected goals. So we were just a very direct team. To say that we weren't an exciting team wouldn't be fair either. We ended up with, I think it was a, looking at it, I think the third, third most goals in the league was 72 goals. We'd had a player recruited from, um, from the lower leagues, you might have heard of, uh, in the in the name of Carlos Mendes Gomez, which uh, we found out we found from the very lowest leagues. I think it came from like the tenth tenth division of local league Manchester football, and um, he'd been brought in from the previous regime. But uh, Derek Adams has obviously seen something with him that he's ready for league football, and ended up being one of his poster boys in the fact that he scored sixteen league goals from being nowhere, and has now made a move uh, to Luton and now getting Championship football. So that tend to be a real find. Uh, then we had um, a big part of our system was Cole Stockton, which is a name I'm sure you're, you're well aware of now for his exploits this year. Um, 
last year he wasn't um, quite the prolific goal scorer that you're seeing this year. But for Derek Adam, it's probably, probably his first name on the team sheet in the fact that he was crucial to the way that we played. You'll see this on Tuesday night. If um, I'm sure he will be on his game, um, that he, he's extremely good at holding up the ball. His role in the team has actually changed from last year. Last year, he was a, a focal point to hold up the ball, lay the ball off to others. Whereas this year, he, he's become a crucial part of the goal scoring. I think then you look through the team, um, you know, one of my favourite players was Jan Songu, who went off to Bradford this year, uh, the start of this year, who was could barely get a game at Scunthorpe the previous year, came in just at the start of the season and was just absolutely tremendous. To try and summarise it, though, um, Stuart, because we could be talking a long time, I don't want to do that for your fans, um, is that we were, we were some of our parts and Derek Adams created a culture where no one was guaranteed of, of a starting position. Everyone, if they got sent off or, or um, through injury, were missing games. Uh, they had to work their way back into the team. There was just no shoe-ins, um, only being picked to automatic promotion on the last day, thanks to Bolton, and then we were lucky enough to get a, a day out at, at Wembley. So, yeah, it was an absolutely magical season. Then Derek Adams... Um, had um, been talking to Bradford mid-season, which is actually uh, one of the craziest parts of it, but in some ways he had his mind mentally perhaps on his next steps in Bradford City, but still managed to keep himself and his players focused to win promotion. So I think it's for his relationship with the Morgan fans, it's, it's fortunate, I think, that he got us promotion, else it would ask, else perhaps it would create questions that we don't really want to be asking. The work that him and his players gave to us uh, last season and now means that, you know, we start the season going to play Ipswich at Portman Road, that we uh, get to play Crew. Um, just the, the, the League One is just amazing. It just astounds me, the teams that we get to play and the quality of football. So in a very long roundabout way, I hope that's useful, Stuart. I'm, I'm, I'm probably missed uh, some key aspects out, but perhaps it just gives you a flavour for what we're about last year. We're in yeah. League One, not not by any luck. Um, oh, and then obviously Derek Adams left, and then we brought in a new manager in Stephen Robinson. So that's where we find ourselves today. To go on to this season, then it, it was a fairly good start, I think, for Morecambe. You know, draw at Ipswich and then knocking Blackburn out of the cup, and uh, I think beating Shrewsbury. But since then, it's been a bit more difficult. Uh, I think it's just one win in a month at Sheffield Wednesday. What do you put those recent results down to? Is it just the step up in quality? What What is it that's going on? Yeah, it's a good question, and I'm having to think about this a lot. Um... We've got a new manager in Stephen Robinson, who I absolutely love everything about what he's saying. I'm, I'm really behind him. Um, and he came in and he had three players to work with. So he's had to completely, uh, completely redesign what the club looks like from ground up. And that takes time. So he deserves that time. And so I think... Obviously, we started very well. Great result against Ipswich, playing some great football. And I guess it's just, League One is a very tough tough league, as you found out for yourselves. And there's going to be times where we're perhaps not getting results going our way. And I think, for example, yesterday, I found hugely frustrating when we lost to Doncaster and perhaps should have got more out of it. But I think that um, we didn't do enough. Um 
But I think we've got to be patient in the fact that what we're trying to build, and this is by no means an excuse, but in terms of options going forward, we, we have had some pretty horrific injuries and very unlucky injuries. Just I was looking at the numbers just before I jumped on this podcast. Um, we sat, so we've obviously got Cole Stockton, who is in blistering form. Uh, but then you look at the options behind him. Um, you've got Jonathan Abika that came with a, a wealth experience who I've never seen play, who was ruled out with a hamstring injury in pre-season. You've got, um, you've got Shane Harrison, has got a toe injury, only played 22 minutes. Uh, you've got um, Jonah Younger, who's unfortunately got a knee injury, only played 129 minutes. And then you've got uh, Doofus Courtney, that's only played 162 minutes, that's recently picked up, I think it's a thigh injury. So they all seem to be a bit freak injuries in the attacking area. Against Ipswich, for example, Ipswich and Blackburn, um, Jonah Younger was terrific. He came off, off the bench for, I think it was the last 30 minutes, and he was just running so direct at the Ipswich uh, back line, and he made such a difference. And then at Blackburn, he was probably our best player and then picked up this freak injury. So Stephen Robinson actually said in a recent uh, Shripsnet podcast, which is terrific, you guys should check it out if you're wanting to learn more about um, about Morecambe. He's, I, what I found was very interesting. He said, we te- we, his favourite formation is a 4-3-3. And I know that you guys have become accustomed to the 4-3-3 formation over the years too. And we have this idea of, of your wingers being bombing forward, um, quite wide players. And what Stephen said is, in his interview is that with the wide players, if you have two very wide players, then they've got to play almost the perfect game for it to click. Whereas what I've seen with him, including John, Jonah Younger, um, as one of those wide players, is that he's almost, he's a more natural centre forward. So you get this kind of hybrid where you've got Cole Stockton being your traditional centre forward, so to speak, you're very big centre forward, um, looking to get there through brute force, get his shots off. And then, then I think his dream model is having a wide player where you might have the likes of Wes McDonald that we brought in from, from Walsall that looks to run at players, um, Arthur Nahua, or perhaps John, uh, Josh McPake as your more wide players. And then I think what he's missing in his, in his, in his, um, in his, in his weapons, for his, in, his, in his attacking options at the moment, is that more kind of hybrid player that he's looking for that's going to get the shots off. And that's one area that I think we've really been lacking at the moment is someone else other than Cole Stockton to get the shots on goal. Um, I mean, Cole's numbers are just ridiculous at the moment. I was looking at that before. He's from, in terms of eight goals, it's only taken 25 shots to get that with 48% of those on target, which, um, and the XG numbers, expected goals behind that uh, across all competitions is just four. So, that's a little bit concerning in the fact that that, that that is unsustainable, that we need to get other players chipping in and getting shots off. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting that, that kind of, um, want of a better description, like kind of hybrid winger back in, in the form of like uh, Jonah Younger or um, Courtney Doofus, which in terms of um, from attacking point of view, I think that is the area that we've been struggling with is just to get someone else that's going to go and get shots off. Uh, I know that Arthur Nahua does contribute to that, um, but I think we need something a bit more. So I think with injuries, that's perhaps 
um, restricting us somewhat. Um, we have had Adam Phillips, so you may be familiar with, back from injury. He had, I think he had another freak temporary injury, but he came on for the last 30 minutes and I just love how he has such a positive outlook in terms of looking to thread balls into the box and get shots off himself. So I would expect Adam to start if, he, if he's fit against you on Tuesday. Um, then I think the one other area that's, we, we've kept it fairly tight. I was looking before at the, um, at the expected goals against, and we actually had, we actually one of the lower teams, we actually keep it fairly tight at the back. But the one area that is really disappointing, um, Stephen Robinson, is the fact that we've conceded, of the nine goals we've conceded, five have been from set pieces, which is, which he feels is the basics that you can't clear your lines from set pieces. You've got to be the first to the ball. Um, during during the during the break, he he took he he, focused, he said he was focusing. We had a break um, during the international break, um, and the two areas he was heavily focused on was increasing the number of crosses into the box, and I think it was getting first contacts on set pieces which I think seems to be an area that we obviously need to still work on. The goal that we conceded yesterday was so disappointing. I felt Doncaster had done very little, a lot of half shots restricted them. Then right towards the end, we conceded a corner and then conceded, and it's just fairly disappointing that area. So in a nutshell, Stuart, I think to summarise, we've got a new squad, new manager, which I'm confident is going to come good. I think we've got more than enough ingredients to stay in the division. And... I think it's just tweaking. Um, one extra thing that you might ask me about is that we lost our captain, Sam Lavelle, to Charlton uh, a week or so ago, just at the end of the transfer, a few weeks ago now, at the end of the transfer window. So that's obviously going to take a little bit of time to, to get things organised at the back. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Um, I had a couple of questions for you about um, who we should look out for in the Morecambe team, what sort of tactics we should uh, expect to see. But I feel like you've basically covered all of those bases there. So I'm just going to ask you one simple question before we wrap it up. Uh, can I get a score prediction for the game on Tuesday night? I much prefer answering who to focus on. <laughs> I would say I would say we're going to get a one-all draw. One-all draw to set us up to get us back. I think... Um, how I see the game playing out um, is, I think Dave Artel is going to set you up to, to play a lot of wide players, a lot of the possession. And I think you're going to, we're going to sit back, I would say. I could imagine that we're going to make some changes in defence. I, I could imagine Liam Gibson perhaps coming in at left-back to give make a change there. And um, I think we've, we'll look to, to get on the break a little bit from you. And I think Adam Phillips will be key there. So I'm going to say one all draw. A score prediction. Great stuff. Thank you, Tom. Uh, and thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome, Stuart. Thank you very much for inviting me. Okay, so after Tuesday night then, I would say on paper, it's a much tougher game coming up on Saturday, a trip to South Yorkshire and the New York Stadium. Um, Steve, this is our first of the three relegated sides that we'll be playing this year. They've started off well. They won 2-0 on Saturday at Bolton. Tricky game, yeah? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's it, it, Again, we're just talking about it with Morecambe, but it's one of them pitches that you lay out on the sheet of paper at the start of the season. You expect to lose it. Now, that's not me saying that we will, but that, that gives you an idea already how tough it will be. 
One thing I noticed when I was having a little look today at the Bolton game is they won with 29% possession. So there is a possibility that they're set up ideally to counter Cruz passing attractive football style, which uh, is a slight worry. I don't know if you feel the same way, Russ. Um, I didn't know that stat, but yeah, it, it, it sort of it's it's nice for for your team to win when you've not got much possession because it shows you're uh, good in the face of adversity. But when you're an opposition team looking at that, you think it, it suggests that the opposite their opposition is going to get a lot of chances with what seventy one percent possession. So hopefully we can actually take a few of our chances. Um, we only had like four shots on target on Saturday, so hopefully we can up that number and um, I think we've got pace at the back and we've got pretty good defence whether Thomas is in or Offord's in we've got pretty individuals they're quite good so um, and pacey importantly so if they are hitting us on the counter I think we've got players that can combat that as well Is there anyone in that Rotherham team that sticks out to you Mark? I think the obvious one would be Will Grigg Yeah I noticed that uh, they'd signed him I'm not sure how he's done though Um, I know he's had a rough time at Sunderland he's not scored very many for a long time, he seemed to hit a purple patch at Wigan and then disappear. Um, so he's going to be a threat. Um, I don't know a, a great deal about him. I know they've got Daniel Barlisser that was on loan with us, who's been uh, been there for a long time now. Um, who's he'll score? Yeah, highly likely. Um, but they've just dropped out of the championship, so they're, they're going to be a, a, a test. Um, I think they've I've looked earlier on; they've, they've won four from eight, so. Um, a mixed start for them as well. I don't know, it, it feels a little bit like uh, if we can win on Tuesday, then it almost feels like one of those games where it's a, a bit of a free hit, like let's go and see and, and see what we can do. I don't think we should be frightened. And, and I wouldn't imagine anybody, any scout from any club watching crew at the moment, especially like Saturday, and seeing the pace that's throughout the side, um, nobody will fancy playing us at the minute. I spoke to Danny from the New York Talk podcast to see how their season has been going. Hi, Danny. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, welcome to the pod. Now, you're the second new voice that we've heard this week on the pod. Uh, you're from the New York Talk podcast. So can you just tell us a little bit about that to start us off? Yeah, so um, the New York Talk podcast uh, started as a Rotherham United podcast about 18 months ago uh, with Matt Mickham and Ben running it. And uh, at the end of last season, they invited me on to write some stuff for their website because I'm doing my uh, sports journalism degree at uni. And um, yeah, it sort of evolved from me being one of the main writers to being on the podcast and then filming videos at the grounds as well. Great stuff. Now, the reason you're a new voice, a new podcast, is because Rotherham were not in League One last year in Championship. Um, what do you think was the problem last year? You know, what 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 kept you from staying up? Um, I think the main one was not really taking our chances uh, because last season we broke a very unfortunate record where we suffered the most one nil defeats in a single season in the Championship. Um, so you could say if we'd have drawn a few more of them, we'd have stayed up quite easily. Uh, but even with that, it took until the final day to really relegate us. Because if we'd have beaten Cardiff, which we were six minutes away from doing, and uh, the score between Chef Wednesday and Derby stayed the same, then we'd have stayed up. Um, but I'd say the overall issue was just not taking our chances and not really scoring enough, to put it simply. 
fair enough. That yeah, that's normally a problem for a football team. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, Danny, I think I'm right in saying this. Uh, the last five seasons have either ended up with Rotherham promoted from League One or relegated from the Championship. Um, why is that? And where do you think that Rotherham naturally should be sitting? Um. I mean, for Rotherham, it'd be perfect if there'd be a league between the Championship and League One. We'd be bang mid-table in there. Um, but I think what it is, is that because we have spent so long in League One and because Paul Warren has, I don't want to say like worked out League One, but he certainly know, knows how it operates. He sort of um, knows how to get us up that top end of the table. And I think for this level, we are a top end of the table sort of team. Uh, but then in the Championship, because... One of the issues is the uh, finances, some of the clubs, like we see what's happening with Derby, what's happening with Chef Wednesday and Birmingham. Whereas we are quite an honest football club, we try and stay within our means. Uh, and sometimes that can undermine you in a league where a lot of the teams are overspending to try and get to the Premier League to recuperate some losses. Um, but I think the last, the last few seasons we've been there, but it's like we've got to the last hurdle and fallen on our faces. You know, it's, ne it's never like, we've been completely wiped off the table other than 2016-17 when we were shocking. Um, but we've always like been there. It's either been the final day or the day before the final day, you know. Um, but no, it, it, it's, it's going to happen at some point. I can tell you that. It's going to happen where it's either going to stick in the championship and we'll stay there for a couple of years or we'll falter in League One and then we'll stay there for a couple of years. It, that pendulum can swing either way, in my opinion. So, I mean, that leads me on to my next question then. Uh, it's been a fairly good start for Rotherham so far. Are you confident of making it six league changes out of six? Um, I mean, I don't want to be overconfident and go, yeah, we're going to win the league. It's going to be easy, you know. Um, but I think there are a lot of teams going for at least sixth place this season. I mean, there's at least 14 teams that you could see finished in top six. So it is a lot harder this season. It's going to be very, very tight up the top end. Um, I think as a benchmark, I'm happy with top 10, but I see no reason why we can't try and push on a little bit further, which is, I'm, I hope it's sort of, sort of like fourth is like, that's a good season for us, but anything higher than 10th will do for me. Fair enough. Uh, so let's look at the game on Saturday then. Who should crew fans be looking out for in this current Rotherham team? Oh, um, I would say Chirwog Benny, our right-sided winger. Um, he's probably one of the fastest players in the league and he's come on very well since we signed him a couple of seasons ago. Uh, he's very dangerous on the ball. He can virtually beat anybody. He's very quick. He's got a good cross on him as well. So he'll be quite dangerous on that right-hand side. Um, and I think Ollie Rathbone in the middle as well. He's one of our new signings this season. He's, I don't know how much we paid for him, but it's the steal of the century. Like, he just seems to be everywhere in midfield. I can't really put down one attribute that he's good at, but he just seems to run forever. He's like Forrest Gump in our midfield. Just keeps going and going. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Smith, who's been effectively nailed on to do well this season. I mean, he's got, scored five goals in his last six games. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are a couple of danger players. That's not to write off yourselves at all because Rotherham do tend to struggle against teams like Crewe and Morecambe and Fleetwood. We tend to struggle against them at home. Um, but I, I really do think it'll be an interesting game because I'm sure Crewe will come with the mentality of Fleetwood have put four past them. Why can't we? 
which will make it a very interesting game indeed. So one thing I noticed, Danny, when I was having a look at this today is um, Rotherham won on Saturday uh, at Bolton with 29% possession. Is that sort of indicative of how Rotherham play or is that a, a blip? Um, I was quite surprised myself to when it was that low. Um, we have had a fair bit more possession in some games, but we never seem to like steal the show with possession. We seem we seem to just work out. Sorry, we seem to just focus on our own game and go right. I'd I'd be playing round them or through them effectively. Um, for us, it's not necessarily controlling the controlling the ball over time. It's just getting forward and creating a chance. And you can see that because I think Rotherham have had the most shots out of anybody in League One. This is I think it's about 130 or something like that. Um, but no, it, Rotherham is that team where they don't need to have possession all the time to win a football game. They just need to concentrate on their own thing and effectively just try and do it well. And we, we're not really that bothered if the other team has the ball all, all the time. Like you can see, we Bolton. We tend to just sit back a little bit and go, right, what have you got? That's sort of uh, the way Paul Warren sets it up, I think. OK, Danny, I'm going to ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. Uh, can okay. I get a score prediction for Saturday's game, please? Oof. Hmm. It's funny because I got the Bolton one wrong, but I got the Lincoln one right. Um, I will say Crew will definitely score against Rotherham. Um, but it depends on if you score first, because I think if you score first, you'll win. Because Rotherham haven't come from behind at all this season. If we right. scored first, we've got a positive result. But if we've if we've conceded first, we've lost. So I think if Crew score first, you will win. Possibly 1-0 to you, lot. But I think if Rotherham score first, I think it might be a draw or a win. But I will say, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, I think. Okay, fair that, I, I'll be honest, that is much more pessimistic from your point of view, much more optimistic, I think, than that I was expecting. I'm sure people listening were expecting. Um, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. That was great. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Right, it's time now for our competition. Uh, we had some good guesses last week from Alex and from Tim. Alex moved himself up from seventh into third, and Tim climbed off the bottom. Um, Ross, I forgot to send you the updated info last week, so I'm sure you're going to pop out the two weeks this week on Twitter, Instagram, etc. But I'll let you know, Russ, you're currently in second. Mark, you're currently in fourth. And Steve, you're currently in sixth. So uh, some pretty good players of the game here on the pod this week. Russ, I'm going to let you go first, as you're currently in the lead of the three of you guys. Uh, when will the first goal be scored in the Morecambe game? Oh, back at Grassy Road, it'll be bouncing on a Tuesday night, and I reckon we'll score first in the 28th minute. OK, Mark? I don't believe I actually write things down for this. It's just like a lucky dip. Yep. Uh, 16... Okay, <laughs> Sounds like a bingo caller. <laughs> I'm on the same lines as Russ, and I think it'll be mid, like in, towards the middle of the first half, and I'm going to go to the 32nd minute. Okay, some pretty close guesses there. Steve, I'm going to come straight back to you then for the Rotherham game. I think it'll be a little bit earlier in, in the 12th. Mark? 23. And Russ? I think we're going to hold out to the 67th minute England concede, but we'll fight back. 
Okay. Uh, Russ, I'm going to hand over to you now. Uh, it's been a little while since you were on. Mm. So you're going to give us a little bit of an update on FanHub app. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been on. So let's do FanHub. Um, I don't think we've ever mentioned that they're doing a monthly reward system now. So if you're in the top three of your leagues, uh, of your club's leaderboard, you're getting some free tickets. So uh, they, I think it was Matt Owen, my dad, Neil, and somebody else. Sorry, I forgot your name. Um, was top in August so uh, they've got free tickets and they're still being processed and they'll be with you shortly uh, top three then after this weekend was uh, of course Matt Owen is top Liam is second and I am third oh yeah getting all those mileage points for uh, traveling from Liverpool for every home game is doing me very well um, also crew are second in the uh, club's leaderboard as well, which is very good. We were top, I think, two weeks ago, so we've slipped a little bit. But if we can uh, get back into that top spot, that'd be awesome. Excellent. Russ, I think we'll leave it on that note then. Steve, Mark and Russ, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Bomb, 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 bomb